Dr. Simon Singh, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're at the human dimension of risk, perception, behaviour and decision-making in risk management conference. You talked about libel laws. You're looking at the application of policy after crisis. Why do you want reform of Britain's libel laws? Uh, well, I, I, think, I think it's just become... I think the rest of the world has realised it for a long time. The English libel law is very backward uh, in terms of being oppressive to free speech, hostile to writers, overly friendly to claimants who want to silence critics. The rest of the world has seen this for a long time. Um, In Britain, we've only come to realise it perhaps in the last couple of years. And and I think science has played a particular role in galvanising interest in this issue because the way science progresses is through argument and debate you know somebody puts forward an idea at a conference other people challenge it we have an argument and after a year or two or three we figure out we get a little bit closer to the truth and in the last two years we've seen numerous cases involving scientists doctors medical researchers where uh, ideas have been suppressed or attempted to be suppressed through libel threats or actual libel actions so for example peter wilmshurst a cardiologist is currently being sued for libel for criticizing data around a new heart device uh, ben goldacre the guardian journalist and doctor was sued for libel uh, two and a half years ago for criticizing a vitamin salesman who was trying to promote vitamins in south africa um, to, to treat hiv uh, henrik thompson a danish radiographer was sued by ge healthcare in london for raising concerns over the risks of an imaging agent. So I I could go on and on, but as you can tell, the problem with libel is that when somebody has something to say, it will be a matter of public interest often, they will feel very reluctant to do that for fear of being threatened with libel. And and you described a two-year case you fought yourself uh, where you were being sued personally for an article that was printed in The Guardian. We won't go into the details, but you did talk about how demoralised you were through that that two-year process. You eventually won. But what do you feel through www.libelreform.org campaign is that there should be a public interest defence? Yeah, there are many things wrong with English libel law. Um, And uh, one is it, you know, if you have a public interest defence, it will be much easier for scientists, doctors, human rights activists uh, to raise concerns and have a bit more protection rather than than feeling they're going to be exposed to two years of misery and potential bankruptcy. So, first of all, let's help journalists by giving them a public interest defence when they're writing about important matters. Secondly, let's make it harder for people to sue for libel so that instead of just being able to issue a writ willy-nilly, they'll have to show some evidence of substantial harm uh, before being able to bring a writ that could be uh, really just frivolous but, but damaging in terms of the impact on free speech. Um, thirdly, you know, should companies have the same rights as individuals? A law of libel was developed to protect a gentleman's honour, a gentleman's reputation. It wasn't developed to protect the interests of global corporations. So do we need something different from libel when it comes to corporations? And you were talking about borrowing from the American laws and elsewhere. Yeah, I think if you have a spectrum of free speech, the Americans are at one end of the, the extreme. Uh, somewhere like Singapore would be at the other end of the extreme. Um, Britain at the moment is probably nearer to Singapore than it is to America. Um, whether we go all the way to an American version of free speech or whether we just move in that direction is an interesting discussion. But we, we've certainly got to move towards a system on a par with Australia or Canada or New Zealand or towards the American system.
Now, fitting your agenda into the human dimension of risk conference, what it appears to be it is that actually those who fight libel cases are in fact risk takers. You talk not just about being demoralised in your own case, but not being able to earn, not being able to publish, you're an author too. Do you think that you need to run personal risk to get changes in public policy? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, there are maybe three three uh, connections to, 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 to this. One is um, if you want to communicate a concern surrounding risk, um, dare you communicate that risk for fear of being sued for libel? And that might be uh, a communication in a local newspaper. That may be a communication in an academic journal. It may be a communication in a national newspaper, in a book, at an academic conference. The chilling effect of libel is it stops people discussing these things openly. Secondly, if you're sued for libel, whether or not you defend it is, is a matter of uh, uh, assessing the risk. The fact that the law is entirely against you and the fact that the costs will run into a million or more pounds means that people will not then fight those, those libel cases, which takes us back to the fact that then people won't raise those concerns uh, related to risk initially. And then thirdly, if you're, if you're going to campaign... Um, for, for a change in the law to, to, get, to, get, to, to make libel laws more balanced, fairer. Nobody wants to get rid of libel laws, we just want to make them fairer. Um, I, I don't think it's a risky strategy. In, in the, on the one hand, you're never going to lose. You know, the worst thing that happens is that we stay exactly where we are in the miserable state of affairs of free speech. Um, so we can only possibly improve things. Uh, so it, it, it's probably not a risky campaign. And at the moment, it's probably even better than that because... We've had commitments from the scientific community, from the, the, the rational community, from the blogging community, from the free speech community. Um, we've had buy-in from the major political parties. All three manifestos this year, before the election, committed the parties to, to major libel reform. We have Lord McNally in the Ministry of Justice developing a libel reform bill as we speak. I, I heard him speak just last week, and uh, that draft defamation bill will be published in March um, we're all keen to see how radical it is. It's going to need to be radical in order to protect free speech in this country. But just finally, um, Simon, why did you as an individual run a risk to fight this liable action against you? Well, I, I, I'm fortunate. I mean, back then I was fortunate in the, being in the fortunate position of, of being a freelancer. I don't have an employee. I don't have employers. Um, I, I'm independent. I, I had a had the resources, had the financial resources and the time resources that enabled me to fight this case. I knew that if I lost it, I, it would be incredibly painful and I'd take a massive financial hit, but I wouldn't be destroyed or bankrupted. So in that situation, because I could um, defend my article and because I believed that my article was fair and important, then I ended up thinking, well, then I really have to defend it. I don't have much of a choice. For most people, if you're a, a a blogger or an academic or an editor of a small journal, the question of trying to defend your writing just doesn't even occur because you cannot even afford to do it. Dr Simon Singh, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today here at the Human Dimension of Risk Conference. I've enjoyed it greatly. Good, many thanks.